What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 32nd episode of the Gen Jack Podcast. Special number in Jaguars fans' hearts. The great Maurice Jones Drew, Mojo D. Shout out to you if you're out there listening to this somewhere in California. I doubt that. You might be on TV right now. Who knows? Um, but again, welcome. This is the 32nd episode of the Gen Jack Podcast. Brought you in with a little spirit in the sky there. Was looking up rainy day songs because it's been rainy in Jacksonville all week in case you hadn't noticed. And I said, screw that. Let's go with something that pumps me up. <laughs> so we got some spirit in the sky for you. And um, it hasn't been a crazy week for the Jaguars since the last time we all got together and talked. But there's been some... Developments. Yeah, There's and a... some conversation-worthy things. So we're excited to be here today. This episode, as with every episode, is brought to you by Bold City Brewery. Make sure to check them out at boldcitybrewery.com, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Bold City Brewery. And make sure to check out their new location downtown on East Bay Street, right when you get off the Main Street Bridge. Um We've got a lot of fun stuff from them today. They gave us a rye IPA. They gave us a barrel-aged stout that is over 11% alcohol. Ooh. So that's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> and they've also got the Scream Sickle for us, which is one of their really fun beers. Um, as you could imagine, it's based off the Cream Sickle, Ice Pop, or whatever. What, what is that classified as? I, I don't know. <laughs> Candy, ice cream, ice pop, whatever you want to call it. It's based off this, the creamsicle flavor. And it's got a very light, light, mellow flavor. I think this would be a good beer for like anyone. Anyone, even if you don't. Yeah, I was really I was drink looking craft at it. beers. I was looking it's only at 4% it. alcohol. I mean, it's good and light. And I'm not a big fan of like fruity beers, but this beer does it for me. Um, I've had it before, but. I'm excited to have it again, the Scream Sickle. We're going to go ahead and get our Pop Top segment. All right, let me get it going. <laughs> We're going to get it done real quick here if we can get this thing open. They provide us with crowlers at Bold City Brewery, which is a lot different than a crowler. It's a growler in a can. It's a lot of fun. And it allows us to do the Pop Top segment instead of just opening up a bottle. So <laughs> opening a bottle is just that. a lot less... Much less anti. It's very <laughs> anticlimactic compared just, to popping a top. It's just a fizz. Of yeah, and now this beer has a little bit of an orange tint to it too. So, Scott, you've never had it before. I have, have not. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm a big fan of it. Yeah, um, very light. So. You can find Gen Jag online at genjag.com. We have all the latest news, analysis, videos, obviously podcasts, update daily. We have a recap of uh, OTA Day 9 up there already, which just ended earlier today. Got Calais Campbell's thoughts on Dante Fowler, which we'll get into. But yeah, check us out at genjag.com. You can follow us on social media, Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar on Twitter, at Generation Jag. You can follow Scott Klein, at Scott Klein one on uh, Twitter, and you can follow myself, Jordan DeLugo, at Jordan DeLugo, all one word, no spaces, no 
underlines, underscores, whatever, on Twitter. And you can follow our comrade who is not with us today, Hunter Evans. Make sure to give him some crap for not being here and for being an Alabama fan. <laughs> At Coach H underscore Evans. Uh, hopefully he's doing all right, though. He has a minor medical thing that he's got going on tomorrow, so keep him in your prayers. It's not a big deal, but, you know, you never know with things like that. Mm-hmm. Sure, he'll be just fine, though. But moving on, we've got a lot of Jaguars talk. So as I said, Calais Campbell spoke to the media today um, about the Jaguars' defense team as a whole. And about Dante Fowler. He says, Dante Fowler's the best athlete on the field. That guy's special. Yeah. I mean... Athletically. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's it's a very glowing endorsement of his, obviously, athletic prowess. I mean, you've got tons of athletes out there. You've got Miles Jack is probably the best athlete at linebacker. Jalen Ramsey's a freak. Jalen Ramsey is probably... Jalen Ramsey's the best athlete on the team. Yeah. There's no question about it, in my opinion. But Miles Jack might be a better athlete. Leonard Fournette. Look at the game. Fournette, yeah, exactly. Calais Campbell himself. Yeah. Like, he's a freak. Um, but the point is, Calais Campbell can see that Dante belongs out there in terms of his physical tools. Yeah. But he clarified that statement and made sure to make sure everyone knows that Fowler still is not where he needs to be in terms of technique. Mm-hmm. And um, everyone does that pretty yeah. much. Anybody that follows the team, you know what Fowler has is an elite skill set in terms of his power and speed. He doesn't have the hand use yet necessarily down all the time. Or the patented spin move or you know the swim moves, what have you. He needs to develop with his technique, but in terms of just how good he is and just how how much of a stellar athlete he is, that's a ringing endorsement. Yeah. Uh, pretty crazy. And it's not the first time you've heard things like that about Fowler. I mean, you've seen it yourself if you watch his college tape or if you watch every Jaguars down in 2016, you would see the athleticism. It doesn't show up consistently on game day yet, which hopefully it will in 2017. But every game he makes a play where you're just like, oh, wow. Yeah, I, there's a couple that stick out in my mind. Yeah. Where I mean, like just big hits on running backs. Yeah. Um, you know, stunts from the outside to the inside. That's, that's really where he excels the most is yeah, stunting. getting, getting really kind of getting a little bit of space so that he can really pick up ahead of steam. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember he nailed Marcus Mariota. Oh gosh! Yeah. He nailed a lot of people. Yeah, he's he's fun to watch. I mean, he's got some. He's got you know. He's like 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 Campbell said. He's got he's got a lot to learn. Yeah. Um, but athletically, if he can get it together, you know, with his technique, he has the potential of of being a special special player. But we just haven't really seen much yet. Yeah. And I mean, four sacks as a rookie isn't like terrible. Yeah. I mean, if if a guy played for the Jaguars for ten years mm-hmm. and averaged four sacks a year, he would be like one of the Jaguars' all-time leading sackers. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, but do you do you want that guy at number three overall? No, absolutely yeah, not. I'm, I'm not trying to say that at yeah. all. I'm just saying, like, in terms of where this franchise has been, 
with pass rushers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, take what you yeah, you got to take what you can get. Yeah. Obviously, you don't want to look back at what the franchise has done in the past and say, "Well, that's our limit. Mm-hmm. We can't be better than that." Yeah. Fowler needs to be better than that. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. But point is, historically, he's already not on a bad track. Yeah. For the Jaguars. If he just progresses from here. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, and he will. There's no question about it in my mind. Uh, you, you'll see a lot of people on Jaguars riders, all sorts of people that are fans of the team as well, that are very, very down on Fowler. Yeah. But I think it's a little bit premature to start questioning whether he's a bust or not mm-hmm. or anything like that. That's just me. Oh, yeah. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. Generally? I mean, it was his first year. He was a rookie. He was he was he was a rookie. It doesn't well, help. And purposes. It doesn't help. And got uh, uh, Yannick got uh, eight sacks as a third rounder. Yeah, he stole but, the show. Yeah, as Jaguars <laughs> tend to do. Yeah, but um, <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of like Reggie Nelson, where you know he got almost ran out of town. Um, and look. Now, after Reggie's rookie season, people were still high on him. Oh, yeah. He had a a, a great rookie season. He had five interceptions as a rookie at free safety. That's freaking impressive. He also, I think, concussed himself a couple times trying to hit people. But People get so wrapped up in, oh, this guy, uh, you know, he's not living up to my standards. It's like, well, you know, (laughs) these these are guys who are... Coming out there, trying to learn the speed of the NFL. He he was basically stuck in a classroom mm-hmm. all last year, basically just learning. That doesn't that that only goes so far. Getting on the field is the best way to actually learn. And this was the first time he even and got a on taste the of the field that. and game action, not even just practice. Yeah, exactly. Action. Really being on the field. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So big year for him, no doubt about it. He's got a lot to prove. Um Campbell also talked about just the team as a whole and said the team is loaded with talent, especially D-line. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's hard to argue there. Yeah. We've talked on this show many times about how much talent this team now has. But um, to tie in with his point there, looking at Malik Jackson, who's kind of a similar player to Campbell in terms of size and build. He's obviously not quite as tall as Campbell, but who is? Yeah. Um, Similar player, they can both play three technique, although Fowler will be the the base down three technique and Campbell will Jackson. be excuse me, Fowler. <laughs> yes. Jackson will be the base down three technique and Campbell will be on the outside, but they'll both play three tech at times. But the point is PFF came out with a little infographic this week about Malik Jackson's pass rushing prowess. Over the last five seasons He's had he's averaged um, in pass rushing situations pressures on at least eleven percent of pass rushing situations, and in two thousand sixteen he got pressures on twelve point seven percent of those situations. The defensive tackle average over the last five years in the NFL is only seven percent. So the fact that he got nearly thirteen in two thousand sixteen, he almost doubled the league average for defensive yeah. tackles over the last five years. And I mean that is crazy. Yeah. And you could see it. I mean he was yeah. a terror and it, at times. And, and that was mostly over the last half of the season. Yeah. I mean the he beginning of the slow. season he did not do a whole lot. So that he 
if he picks up where he left off at the end of 2016 and Calais Campbell plays Calais Campbell football, just those two together on a defensive line, yeah. that's going to be gonna ugly be for offensive lines. Yeah, don't – and don't – a lot of people – I always see people talking about, oh, he was a waste of money, pointing to the sack totals and things like that. He wasn't brought here he to was, get 12 sacks. And, yeah, he – he got six and a half last year. Yeah. For a defensive tackle. That's a big, big number. That's a good number. Defensive tackles make the Pro Bowl with less numbers than Oh, yeah. And, I mean, less production than that, clearly. I mean, 13% of dropbacks you're getting a pressure yeah. as a defensive tackle. That's crazy. It's it's good to get your, get your hands on the quarterback and, and, and get him to the ground with the ball in his hands. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're affecting the quarterback, it typically has a much bigger impact on the game. As a whole. No question about it. Now, flipping to the other side of the ball, Michael Rivera tied in the Jaguars sign from Oakland. Um, he spoke with the media today. He changed his number to 81, which is the number he traditionally wears. Uh, that number came available when Brian Walters was cut last week. So, good for Michael Rivera, I guess. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sucks for Walters. Yeah. <laughs> and when I, I, for a second, it kind of, I was like, well, where, who was wearing number 81? Why was he able to switch to that? And yeah. Like, oh, poor Brad. Yeah. <laughs> poor guy. But, you know, moving on, you can't lament every bottom of the barrel receiver that the Jaguars get rid of, yeah. even if they are consistent. <laughs> uh so Rivera spoke with the media. He's adjusting to Jacksonville. He's working more on becoming a better blocking tight end, which is something he already wasn't terrible at. He showed a willingness to do. Yeah. Unlike certain tight ends that aren't in Jacksonville anymore. There's there's a difference between being bl- bad at blocking and then being, being, bad, at, being bl- bad at blocking and just not even bothering to yeah. try. I was watching some Ozzie Newsom stuff earlier, who's one of the greatest tight ends in NFL history. But he was really the first guy that just didn't block. Yeah. <laughs> There's highlights of him. I guess they're not really highlights, but video clips of him, air quote, attempting to block. Oh, God. And it is just hilarious. So some guys can get away with that. In Jacksonville, you're not going to get away with that. Uh, Rivera's been working on getting better at blocking. That's something that this scheme, or this coaching staff has emphasized. Tight ends being able to be... Uh, multiple versatile being able to block and receive um, he spoke a little bit about his experience in Oakland over the last couple of years uh, prior to the 2015 season he actually started for the Raiders mm. in 2014 10 games he started 58 catches 500 something yards four touchdowns if he could even sniff that this year I think that'd be major yeah I mean oh, yeah. I doubt I, the tight end position is so weird this year because so many people will forget about a certain guy that's on the roster. Yeah, I feel like, like it's, none of these guys are guys that you absolutely know one of them is going to be featured. Yeah, you don't really know. I mean, you like Lewis as a blocker. Yeah, and a guy who can sometimes catch the ball. You like Rivera as a receiver. You like Sterling as a receiver. Mm-hmm. You like Koyak as a. Uh, balanced tight end. Yeah. But none of them are uh, 
none of them are so ingrained in the culture of the media around here or the fan culture that they haven't been forgotten on tight end lists. Yeah. Like, every one of those guys has been left off a of Jaguars tight mm-hmm. end list so far this offseason. It's just interesting. It's kind of like, you always hear, like, running back by committee. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like that. We're going to send out a, a platoon of tight ends and, and that's just rotate them in and out. Yeah. That's the thing about it. It's not like four guys that you're like, gosh, we really don't want any of these guys hitting the field. Yeah. It's four guys that in different roles you can feel very comfortable putting them oh, out yeah. on the field. So I think that's kind of cool. Interesting. But, yeah, Rivera can be overlooked at times. Mm-hmm. People forget about Lewis. People assume Lewis is going to get cut. It's like, eh, this team wants to run the football. And oh, he's yeah. the best run blocker <laughs> at times. Yeah. Not so fast. So... Bit of an interesting tight end situation there. But yeah, Rivera said over the last couple of years about his dip in production, mm-hmm. he was like, I can't throw the ball to myself. That's, yeah, that's, <laughs> I, I watched quite a bit of uh, Rivera when, when we ended up signing him. Um, I, like his, I like him as an athlete. Yeah. Um, he, he shows you know, good, really good athleticism, a willingness to block, like you said. Um, but the plays he was actually in the game, I just had, okay, next play, next, oh, no. It, they, I think a lot of it was, A, uh, Clive Warford. Clive Warford, yeah. Walford. The uh, uh, Raiders selected him, Clive Warford, in the third round of the 2015 draft, which, again, is the season right after Rivera kind of had a breakout. Mm-hmm. So, kind of screwed him over. I saw <laughs> that interesting stat about Walford. He, was, he w- had the best... Pass blocking efficiency of all tight ends. Did not give up a single pressure. That's surprising. The number one, yeah, a hundred percent on the pass, wow. pass blocking efficiency. But anyway, that's crazy. Yeah. So and you, he, you know, he's more than competent as a receiver as well. I mean, that's why he was drafted yeah. to be a receiver. Um, but a combination of that and the the Raiders just ran a lot of three and four wide receiver sets. Yeah. I mean, they like to get spread the ball spread the ball out outside. And they had um, a competent run game. They yeah. ran the ball a lot too. It wasn't like they were. Mm-hmm. You know, you see them as, you know, Derek Carr, Crabtree, yeah. and uh, Cooper just throwing the and, ball all over the barn, but uh, and in, in regards ran to the ball a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's, having a guy like Walford that can stick in and block, and they even used uh, a, a sixth offensive lineman quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so, I mean... Lining up a tackle at tight end it, or whatever. It, yeah, exactly. Just to get that extra blocker. Um, but he was a guy who, more often than not, was... Lined up in the slot, or lined up outside. Yeah. yeah, he rarely got his hand in the dirt. It happened every now and then, but a lot of the times when you saw eighty-one coming on the field, he was going to be on the outside, and um, he made you know he 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 made the best of what he could. But when you're playing maybe twenty snaps a game. It's hard to make an impact yeah. that way. And then those snaps that you're in the game are snaps that Crabtree yeah. and Cooper are still out there. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I mean, I think you're going to have it tough if you're a tight end competing for uh, competing for balls with Amari Cooper and Ma- Michael Crabtree. Yeah, and you can say the same thing here. Absolutely. But, I mean, I, I think he's a guy who, when I saw they signed him, I was, I was excited to see what he could do. Yeah. I mean, going back to Tennessee, he was always a guy that I thought 
um, was going to make an impact somewhere. Tennessee Vols, Volunteers. not Tennessee Titans, yes, I'm, uh, yeah, to be clear. Um, but the Vols are more okay in our book than the Titans. <laughs> Barely. <Yeah. laughs> Just by a hair. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, this this guy, he's he's a good football player. He'll, I'd, I'd be surprised if he didn't make the team, um, let alone be one of the top two guys. Um, I think he'll see quite a bit at tight end. And you, you'll probably see them running some two tight end sets. Um, maybe even see what they did last year in Oakland. Yeah. Put them out wide, try and get a mismatch somewhere. Um, but, yeah, he's, For me, he's definitely an, an option, a solid one. This might not be exactly correct, but in my mind, the way I think about this tight end position is I think Lewis provides something that none of the other tight ends do. Mm-hmm which is a really, really good blocking tight end. Ben Koyak can be a good blocking tight end. He can also be a good blocking, I mean, a good receiving tight end. Mm-hmm. So for me, for me, it's kind of like Ben Koyak versus Rivera in terms of who's going to really be the team's second tight end. Yeah. Because I think Lewis is going to see the field the most because he's going to be able to block the best. Mm-hmm. But then you're going to want to get those other guys on the field at times, too, to have better receiving threat. Yeah. So is the drop-off between Koyak's blocking and Rivera's blocking bigger than the block off, or the drop-off between um, Rivera's receiving and Koyak's receiving? So, like, yeah. can they both do both? Who can do both better? Yeah. If you, if you add both of them together, which number is – which person – has the higher score. Exactly. I think that's kind of how it's going to work out. Yeah. And until we actually see him run, do the same things on the same field, it's going to be hard to say. Yeah. Um, I would think that... I would think that Koyak would suit the team a little bit better only because they've stated they want to run the ball. Yeah. But when you've got the weapons like we do to be able to add one more onto the field... Um, it's it's we're gonna see a lot of shotgun formation. We have a couple wide receivers, um, so I mean, it's interesting. It's it's kind of a question mark. Like, what is the tight end position gonna look like? Yeah, because you don't know if they're gonna be an eleven personnel a lot, yeah. or if they're just gonna line up with two tight ends and run the ball at you. If they're yeah. gonna line up with one tight end and a fullback and run the ball straight at you. Mm-hmm. They're going to run the ball a lot. It's not going to be like last year. Are they going to run the ball out of 11 personnel? Catch you sleeping, trying to prepare for the pass, and then just hit you with a four-net draw. Yeah. You know, I think they're going to do a lot of all those different things, really, Mm. I think is what they're going to try to do. And it's it's going to be more unclear to the defense. I think that's the goal, for sure. Yeah, because when... You see Julius Thomas out there. You know what's coming. Yeah. And when you see Mercedes, you're probably thinking it's a run. Yeah. He's, he can he's, go out. And know? he's a sneaky guy in the yeah. passing game. That's, oh, yeah. that's what he is. He's sneaky. Yeah. Because the defenders aren't ready for him to go, you know, run a screen. <laughs> yeah. They love running that Mercedes like, screen. They're not ready for that. So it's fun. But, yeah, the tight end position is going to be very open and it's going to be fun to watch during training camp um getting into a story that is kind of 
on the more negative side, certainly on the more negative side, but not to blow it out of proportion, there has been a bit of an injury bug. Uh, Barry Church and Tashawn Gibson both have missed all of OTAs. Um, speaking of tight ends, Neil Sterling just played in his first OTA today. Um, so there's been a lot of injuries. Now, they're not major injuries, and again, these aren't even real practices, according yeah. to the head coach. So it's not a big deal if guys miss, but you don't want it to develop into a season-long problem like it was last year for the Jaguars. Uh, They were injured all over the place in a lot of positions last year, especially guard, left guard. They lost three guys to season-ending injured reserve, which is just, that's crazy. And as bad as that was, I think the Vikings lost even more guys than the Jags did last year, so... Uh, obviously, that's not the type of situation you want to have. But with Barry Church and Tashawn Gibson missing all of OTAs, it gave opportunities to Peyton Thompson and Jared Wilson, who have both been on the team now uh, for at least two seasons. And these two guys are guys that we've talked about in training camp before. In terms of actually making impacts in the games, Peyton Thompson has had a big impact on special teams for the Jaguars, uh, especially last season. Jared Wilson hasn't had a huge impact on special teams yet, but he's a strong safety. And both of these guys have been playing a lot in OTAs, and they've been impressing the coaches. I think that both of them have a chance to potentially carve out a niche on the team uh, after Barry Church and Tashawn Gibson are gone, depending on how things go and how long Barry Church and Gibson stick around. Gibson's still a younger guy, but Barry Church is 29 now. So those guys have an opportunity to, even if it's not with the Jaguars, an opportunity to really solidify themselves as guys that have to be on NFL rosters. Yeah. I think Peyton Thompson has already done that with his special teams prowess. Mm-hmm. But Wilson impressed last year yeah. as a backup safety. And now he's impressing again this year. He's a guy that might need a uh, an actual role on the defense. Mm-hmm. Maybe he, getting three safeties on the field or anything like that. I think Marone even said, there was a quote, I think it was last week, where he said if, if, uh, if Wilson plays with pads... The way he plays in shorts, he's gonna you're gonna see a lot more of him this year. Yeah, and that's really cool to see for young guys. It's been rare for the Jaguars in recent history to see like guys that were undrafted really come up and make a big impact. Yeah, I mean obviously you've seen it with Alan Hearns, right. but outside of Alan Hearns, you haven't seen it really. Mm-hmm. I mean you've got backups that are undrafted guys on the roster, but not a lot of impact players at this point. So that would be really cool to see Wilson become a real role player for the defense, not just a backup. And this this whole time, the the whole time you've been talking about this, and I've been... There hasn't been a single word about James Sample. I haven't heard of anything. He just returned. He missed some of OTAs. Okay. Yeah, I was. I, I, I think he just returned earlier this week or late last week. Yeah, I can't remember which one it is, but uh, yeah, that's another guy. You know, the more he's injured, the more Jared Wilson gets a shot. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, Sample's clearly behind Wilson now at this yeah. point. He might have even been last year at times mm-hmm. behind. 
when he's healthy, uh, he's still behind Wilson because you just can't rely on a guy who can't stay healthy. Yeah. We were all really excited about him coming out of Louisville um, as a fourth-round pick a couple years ago, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy, hasn't been able to get on the field. He's got some nice feet for such a big, strong safety. Brought in, even was supposed to kind of be able to They wanted him to play free safety. safety. They wanted him to be able to do it. Interesting. It was a reach. (laughs) Yeah. But... uh, It shows you what kind of athlete he is. Yeah, he's got... That's the thing. He's got the movement to seemingly to be able to do it. But he can't stay on the field, so... He was drafted and was kind of the unofficial heir apparent to Jonathan Cyprian. And it's never really materialized. Yeah. I mean, it's been interesting, no doubt, for him. Hopefully... Hopefully he can stay healthy one season. We'll yeah. see though. Absolutely. The best ability is availability. <laughs> Certainly it is at times. Now, PFF came out with another infographic this week. They just love doing infographics with Jaguars on them, which I'm not complaining yeah. about. It's interesting for us. Um, Jalen Ramsey had the fourth most coverage snaps against number one wide receivers in 2016 as a rookie. And he wasn't like fourth by a long shot. Uh, I think Patrick Peterson had about 20 more uh, coverage snaps versus number one receivers, and he was number one. Yeah. Patrick Peterson was. So he was right there. Yeah. All four guys in the top four were fairly close to each other. Mm-hmm. That's, that's crazy to think about. I mean, obviously looking back, yeah, he covered Alshon Jeffrey, covered T.Y. Hilton at times, Steve Smith, yeah. covered all sorts of DeAndre Hopkins. All sorts of good receivers. But to actually quantify that and see that he was a top four cornerback in terms of amount of times covering number one receivers, and then to see that translate over to how well he actually performed is crazy as a rookie. Like, you don't expect a guy who is a rookie, A, to be asked to cover number one receivers the fourth most out of any player in the NFL and it be to perform so well doing it and he it it just seems like he just he just got it so quick yeah it just all clicked and thinking about better and better as the year went on he might have started playing like that at the beginning of the season had um had he not suffered his knee injury Mm -hmm. that kept him out of OTAs and minicamp and such and some of there was another. There was another uh, PFF graphic as we're talking about the, the PFF graphics. Yeah, where he had the second highest rated single game in the, the entire season. season. Yeah. It was yeah. the two. It was the week sixteen game against Tennessee. Yeah, I mean pick six. Yeah. He had two other balls in that game yeah. that should have been easy <laughs> yeah. interceptions before he had the pick six. Um, one of them I remember was in the end zone. And I can't remember the other one off the top of my head right now, but I remember during that game there was mm-hmm. three that he should have picked off. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, obviously, just let that steamroll into next year. Yeah, and just hit the ground running. Obviously, kudos to you, Jalen Ramsey. So my question is now, based on that graphic and based on what we've seen from him, is there another cornerback in football that you want more than Jalen Ramsey right now? If you could be as objective as possible. I mean... I mean, there's arguments to be made, no question. There, there's but like, a handful of people. that I not would, a lot of actually, Maybe Patrick Peterson. 
Um, just because of his combination of age and and ability, yeah, um, and and just the 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 body work. I mean, he's a punt returner, uh, a good one. Yeah, um, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, now he's going to be twenty seven when the season starts, which is still yeah just entering your prime oh, years, yeah. which is just crazy to think about. Because it seems like he's been in his prime since he was a rookie, Mm -hmm. which is exactly what you have with Jalen. Now, who's a better athlete, Patrick Peterson or Jalen Ramsey? My goodness. Patrick Peterson might beat him in a foot race. I'll say that. And he might be a better quarterback. I I saw him on hard knocks. Yeah, he does have an arm. It was the the Showtime. uh, It It was the Showtime series called... Was it All or Nothing? All or nothing with the Arizona Cardinals, 2015. Yeah, yeah. he would all he would always just to fill you guys in. He would always go out with the quarterbacks, and they would have a quarter like a throwing competition before every game. Um, the the loser has to wear whatever the winner picks out. Man, didn't Patrick have to wear something crazy? And, as yeah, well? they all had to wear yeah. just ridiculous stuff. But no, I mean when you're when you're comparing Jalen Ramsey to guys like this after one after season. one season, it's crazy. I mean, for reference, Peterson has 20 career interceptions at only 26 years old. I mean, that is crazy. Yeah. Uh, and he's a guy that they try to avoid throwing to. That's what happens with all these elite corners. You yeah. just They stop getting huge numbers because they're not throwing their way. Yeah, they're going to the other side of the field. Now, in Jacksonville, that's going to be tough to do. Yep. <laughs> all right. Throw it at AJ Boy. Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. Exactly. So that'll be interesting. But, I mean, you can certainly argue Jalen Ramsey is the most valuable cornerback to start a franchise around at this moment in the NFL. Yeah. I think Marcus Peters, you could argue. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Maybe Xavier Rhodes from yeah. Minnesota. He's probably more like Patrick Peterson's age, though, too. Yeah. So, like, you're going to take 26-year-old Patrick Peterson or... 22-year-old Jalen Ramsey. You, you have maybe I mean? six, eight years of Patrick Peterson or 10 to 12 yeah. for Jalen. We'll see. I mean, obviously it'll be interesting to see who ends up being the best corner out of all these guys when it's said and done, but it's a pretty damn good time for cornerbacks yeah. in the NFL. I mean, you've got Chris Harris, who's an ascending guy, yeah. who's playing opposite Vontae Davis. I mean, not Vontae Davis. I keep to leave. Yeah. Um, so those are two really talented guys, but like we said last week, I, I don't think that you can say there's a more talented tandem of corners than Boye and Ramsey. If only for the reason that Ramsey is just so talented. Yeah. It's, 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 it's exciting just to think about. I don't think I've ever seen a Jaguars defender get his hands on a pass three times in one game. Yeah. Like, where it absolutely should have been a catch. Now, he needs to convert those other two and next that, time. And that was the knock on him. Yeah. Is that his hands, his hands might not be that not, good. Yeah. And there was other times throughout the season that he dropped yeah. um, interceptions as well. Should have but, picked off that last play in Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> he should have. <laughs> he knows it, too. He was so <laughs> mad about that one. But he's a guy that he could easily flirt with the league lead in interceptions next year in terms of... Uh, 
in terms of how many times he got his hands on the ball this year. And if you throw it at him, have fun. Yeah. If you throw it at AJ Boye, have fun. Don't come around here, DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, especially with Gibson and Barry that. Church trying to close it off. Yeah. Coming from over the top, whichever one is, or both of them. Jalen Ramsey doesn't want help. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't want help. Ramsey doesn't need that help. <laughs> but, you know, it'll be there for him. Okay. Hopefully. Hopefully they'll be in the right spots. You would expect them to be. Now, there's another question that I was thinking about today. The Jaguars obviously have a lot of leaders on defense. Calais Campbell's a leader. Barry Church is a leader. Even though he might not have established himself in Jacksonville as a leader yet, uh, okay. he's a leader. He was the Cowboys captain. Yeah. Like, he's a leader. So, you've got those two guys. You've got Puzlesny. You've got Malik Jackson, who stepped into a leadership role towards the end of last year. I think you'll see it in Jalen, too, a lot more. As, yeah. yeah. As he becomes the alpha dog of the, I mean, of the locker room. <laughs> Yeah, Boye is not necessarily a huge vocal guy, but yeah. he's a leader as well. So, like, there's leadership qualities all over the defense. Guys that have done it at the highest level on other teams and guys that have performed very well in Jacksonville. On the offensive side of the ball, there's only one guy that I can really think of as a real leader, and that's Mercedes Lewis. Yeah. And he's not going to be a leader in terms of being the dynamic playmaker for the team. He's going to be a lead-by-example guy. Everyone knows what he's done in his career. Everyone respects that. Who else on offense is going to be a leader this year? You want it to be Blake Bortles. I go. I thought it would be going before the preseason and before contract situations arose that Brandon Albert would kind of be kind of like that guy where he's not yeah. a vocal guy, but he comes in and he's a, he's a veteran, you know, um, well, it's a guy yet that, to be seen. A guy that people can follow. Yeah. Yeah. But um, obviously that hasn't come to fruition. Yeah, he's got to show up first. Does not set a good example right now. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you look at guys like Linder is a quiet guy. Um, the wide receiver group is, is young. Um, the running backs are young. Chris Ivory, I think, would be a good candidate. He's um, kind of a quiet guy, too. Yeah, lead by he's, example, he's too. He's just a, a tough... I mean, Brandon Linder, obviously, is another lead by example type guy. Yeah. We he, need... We need. He hasn't developed into one of the best interior linemen in football through a crappy workout. And I, and I think... I, I mean, I, you, I use the term alpha dog for, for Jalen Ramsey. You, you need a kind of guy like that to, yeah. to lead the charge. You know, be <laughs> the guy who's like... He's bull, he thinks he's bulletproof. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot of guys like that. Maybe Leonard Fournette. I think Hearns is a leader, too, Yeah, thinking about mm-hmm. that. I don't know how vocal he is with the entire offense, but he's a guy that was undrafted and made a huge impact yeah. in the league. Now is on his second year of a four-year, $40 million deal. He's a guy you might be able to look to. Mm. But it's not any... Going back to my original point, it's like none of these guys are established veteran leaders. Yeah. Except for Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Which, some of these guys need to be able to do that. Yeah. Whether it's Bortles, or whether it's Robinson or Hearns, somebody needs to be able to pick the team up, especially on offense, when they're down in mm-hmm. games. Not necessarily down on the scoreboard, but down in terms of they're not getting their offense going, yeah. they're not moving the ball consistently. Somebody needs to be able to pick those guys up. And we'll see who... 
that is or if that happens at all in 2017. I think that's a major question mark. I honestly think Fournette might be that guy too. Yeah, I was thinking of the of the Gator game just now where, you know, before the game, Fournette's not playing. He's injured. And then there's a little scrum yeah. before the game. There's some drawing back and forth. Hey, coach, I'm suiting up. Yeah, he pretty Get much... Get me out there. For reference, Leonard Fournette pretty much only played this game because the Gator players were talking shit yeah. to him before the game. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> He's like, awesome. uh-uh, we're doing this. Yeah. Let's go to war, boys. So that's he, pretty cool. He, he didn't make it the whole game. He didn't have a huge impact. But no, it just it just, just the fact shows, that he went out there and tried against yeah. a defense that is loaded with yeah. first round and NFL talent. He's, he he said, "I'm gonna be out there. Who's who's gonna follow me?" Exactly. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops this season. Now again, you're listening to the 32nd episode of the Gen Jag podcast. Find us online at Generation Jaguar on Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jag on Twitter and um, at GenJag.com for all the latest news and analysis. Make sure to follow our sponsors, the one and only sponsors of the Gen Jag podcast, Bold City Brewery, at Bold City Brewery, and at BoldCityBrewery.com. Now, Doug Marone, Doug Marone in and of himself to me has been an interesting story. Uh, he's been very candid in his post-activity interviews. Yeah. Can't call it practice, because he's quick to tell you it's not it's a not practice. It's not practice. Uh-oh. <laughs> but, you know, you would think a guy that has that sort of attitude might be annoying or uh, curmudgeon grouchy, but yeah. it's the opposite. And he he's not saying that they're not practices to say that they're not important. Because he sees the importance. Uh-huh. But he's just saying, this is not Football. This yeah. is not a football practice. They're wearing shorts, for God's yeah. sake. <laughs> so I, I kind of agree with him from yeah. that standpoint, but he's just been really interesting. Super candid. He's been mm-hmm. very quick with a joke. He's just been enjoyable and refreshing, in my opinion, because you've gone from the last four years of Gus Bradley, where all you got was we're getting better. Coach speak. Yeah, it was all coach speak. And Doug Maroon finally actually just tells you what he's thinking in my mind. It's, it's, That's in, what he does. it's interesting how you're getting more information and more almost personality out of this so-called, you know, hard-nosed, kind of no-nonsense guy, as opposed Not to the guy, happy... but regime. Now. Yeah. The regime is no-nonsense. The top of the regime is Tom Coughlin, no-nonsense. Dave Caldwell might not be as no-nonsense as the other guys. But then you've got Doug Marone. So you're getting yeah. it from multiple angles. This is entire, an entire uh, organization-wide change in yeah. terms of just being tough. And yeah, you're absolutely and right. It's, it's just an interesting comparison how you're, you're getting more of that from this regime and coach than you did with the previous guy who was more of the positivity and 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 just it, it just ended up all being coach speak and rah yeah. yeah it's so refreshing to watch Doug <laughs> yeah. around talk up at the podium he's like I'll, I'll stay here all day yeah. I'll answer questions all day which is 
Just great. He's a fun guy to be around now. Bullets haven't started flying yet. You haven't seen him after a loss, press conference after a loss yet. So we'll see where his attitude goes. But at this point, he's a revelation. Yeah. Obviously, it's early. But the reason I brought up Doug Maroon is because earlier this week, he commented on Miles Jack's transition to middle linebacker from strong side linebacker. He said it could be going better. Hmm. Now, he went on to say a lot of things about it. What I gathered and garnered from his comments was that it could be going better because he could be playing at an all-pro level already. Yeah. Because basically Marone is going to ride Miles Jack and ride Miles Jack and ride Miles Jack. He no matter it. how good he's playing, yeah. he's going to keep riding him and keep expecting more out of him. So that's kind of where Marone's going with that. Yeah. Not really saying that Jack is playing bad. It's, he's and not it, playing bad at all. And it's good to to almost not pressure somebody, but to just always be there to say, hey, I know you can do better. Right. And he said specifically with Jack he does that and specifically with some other players. Yeah. Like he kind of picks and chooses which guys he really knows can handle it. And it's not because it's not not everyone is the same. Right. You know, <laughs> right. He won't do this to every player, but he thinks Jack is that guy who can handle it and can take on the work and pressure mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And I think that's positive. And I, and I think that shows to me a guy who really understands and what the job entails as far as kind of being an overseer and just finding out and, and, and molding yourself and your philosophies to the people that, you're, that are around you yeah. instead of the Gus Bradley approach, which seemed to be to try and do that the other way around. And it's so weird. Like the Gus Bradley approach was like, you need to fit into our culture, which is happy go lucky. And, uh, and even, you know, even schematic scheme, scheme yeah. wise, it was even bigger and an even bigger point that you had to fit their scheme, uh, which was just crazy. And it obviously didn't work. It, it kept Miles Jack off the field. Yes. That's all I can say. It kept Miles Jack off the field. I think that's over great, Dan Scuda at times. That's a great way to sum up the, the, culture there and the scheme there it just it, it didn't work and we didn't know it wouldn't work but it yeah. absolutely didn't <laughs> so uh enough gus bradley talk for one day in my opinion <laughs> we'll get to that we'll get back to that with the chargers but yeah i think week six now last week we started a game new game we're gonna do it every week until we decide not to <laughs> or until we forget to uh, it's called Keep One, Let One Walk. Last week it was specifically based around all of the impending free agents, impending, uh, free agents that were drafted by the Jaguars in 2014, pretty much. From now on, we're going to make it to where it's basically just one player versus the other player. And who is more important for the future of the team, for building the franchise, for being a rock in the franchise's foundation. Mm-hmm. So this week, we've got a really interesting one. They're both on the defensive side of the ball, and we're going to do Miles Jack, who we just talked about, starting middle linebacker, second-year player, versus A.J. Boye, cornerback, 
recent signing from Houston, only 26 years old, uh, big-time cornerback. What do we think here, Scott? It's a lot more difficult than I first anticipated when I looked at it. Yeah. I was like, it's A.J. Boye, clearly. But when I actually, when you're thinking about it, okay, A.J. Boye is a second corner. Miles Jack is the starting middle linebacker. Both starters. Both starters. Both starters. There's more pressure to expect greatness out of Miles Jack than there is AJ Boye right now. Definitely. Because of the nature of the position. Yeah, he's got to be the defensive leader, basically, yeah. the signal caller, the quarterback of the defense, if you will. Yeah. Um, and just, Miles Jack could be the middle linebacker for this team for the next 10 years. Yeah. A.J. Boye could possibly be better than Jalen Ramsey. It doesn't seem likely to me. I think he might be better than Jalen this year, I mean, I don't think he'll be better I than Jalen this year. I yeah. think he was better than Jalen last year. I, I think I would that say, might be the only season. I would that say happens. he's more technically advanced because he has to be. Yeah. Or Jalen Ramsey is a freak, right? Who is also happens to be a heck of a good football player. Um, man. I don't want to let either guy go, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. But I, mean, I mean, they're two key cogs. And, this is what we're going to be doing. This is the hard-hitting questions yeah. we're asking on the I think Jack the, I think the corner is clearly the more... I think corner is the more important position because to win, you have to be able to defend the pass. Yeah. But if you have a, a sieve in the middle linebacker position... You're also screwed. You're yeah. also screwed. I mean, in coverage, we've seen it over the past couple of years. We've... We haven't been able to defend the middle of the field since 2001. I made that number up, but let's it say, seems to be true. Let's say 07. Yeah. Last time they made the <laughs> Yeah. They had a pretty good defense then. But, I mean, to be, man, I would have to say the default answer for me is A.J. Boye. He's more proven. But I'm, I'm actually going to go, I'm going to go with Miles Jack. Because he's 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 got to be the rock in the middle of that line, in the middle of the defense. Yeah, he's the quarterback of the defense. I think he's athletic enough to do anything he that's asked of him. Um, I think he is capable of being able to direct people around. And if AJ Boye flames out in and doesn't and is not on the team in three years, you can get a second quarter. So yeah. you already have the franchise corner. You love having two of them because there's more than one wide receiver on the field. Yes. But, I mean, the middle linebacker is responsible for so much more. I think I wanted Miles Jack in the first round. <laughs> and yeah, we got I mean, him in I the second. Too. I did too, um, absolutely. But I just, I think he, I think he's the guy. Yeah. I would definitely take Miles Jack. It's not an easy decision, but it's it's not a decision that I would question myself for doing. Miles Jack was a top five talent in the NFL draft last year. Top ten at worst. Yeah. Okay. He might be the best coverage linebacker to ever come out in the draft. Yeah. I mean, realistically. Yeah. Luke Keekley is one of the best coverage linebackers to ever come out. Oh, yeah. And scouts 
said Jack was better. Look, he played he played slot corner at times. Yeah, I mean, I gotta take Jack. We haven't seen it from him at the NFL level yet on a consistent basis. Not not necessarily by any fault of his own, because he just didn't get the opportunities last year. But he's got the potential to be a Luke Kuechly type player. Yeah, I think cornerback is more important. But is your number two cornerback more important than your middle linebacker? Yeah. I don't know. I think Miles Jack's more talented. He obviously has a lot further to go, but he has a lot more potential. Mm-hmm. I mean, Boye is a almost a prototypical type cornerback, though. Like, yeah. We compare him to Jalen Ramsey, and we're like, well, he's not the freak that Ramsey is. Yeah, well, he is over six feet tall and 200 pounds and can match up with any receiver in football for the most part and did that quite a bit last year. So it's tough, but I think you have to go with the homegrown talent. You have to go with the guy who was projected to be a top five pick. And A.J. Boye really, his his signing was based on less than a year of production, really. Yeah. Yeah, so, he I mean, was a breakout player last year. That's yeah. what he was. And I, I was a big fan of him. I yeah. love the guy. I raved about him last year. Yeah. Um, I just... He doesn't seem like the type of corner that is like the Alteron Werner where he has one big season in Tennessee then goes to Tampa and yeah. crashes <laughs> Yeah. He doesn't seem like that, but you never know. Because that time, when that happened with Werner and when it happens with other guys, it's not like the whole league is clamoring to get that guy. Yeah. Literally a third of the league was trying to sign AJ Boye. Yeah, and I and I think AJ Boye is. Ne- I don't think he's ever going to be a superstar talent. He'll he'll he could probably be a really good football player. I just you you see something different in Jalen Ramsey. Right. And see, he's just on elite talent level. as a rookie. Yeah, he might be the most talented player the Jaguars have drafted ever. Yeah. So might, I mean, yeah. I'm not saying he is. You yeah, obviously got to compete with some guys. Yeah, Freddie T, Tony Vaselli, a lot of guys. Some big old defensive linemen, Marcus Stroud, John Henderson. Man, I just got to say, I'm just I'm so glad these guys are going to be on the field at the same time. Man, this is going to be fun to watch. I'm so excited for this defense. I am too. I can't wait. It's just going to be really fun. Now, that's going to pretty much do it for our show. We've had a really good time today. Obviously, we wish Hunter Evans was here. Wish him the best of luck with what he's got going on tomorrow. But that's going to wrap it up for the 32nd episode of the Gen Jag podcast. Uh, make sure to find us online again at genjag.com, on Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar, on Twitter at Generation Jag. Uh, at genjag.com, we have all the latest news and analysis, Jaguar's videos from UCF Jaguar. Um, All sorts of fun stuff on there. Another really cool thing that we just found out, we are the number one podcast for the Jaguars on bestfootballpodcasts.com. So if you're a Jaguar fan uh, looking to find out more about some other good football podcasts or just an NFL fan looking for some more podcasts, that is a great resource to check out, bestfootballpodcasts.com. And... Uh, big shout out to them for putting us up number one. We're really happy to be up there. And make sure to go check them out. Again, you need to check out Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the show. 
Find them at BoldCityBrewery.com on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at BoldCityBrewery. And make sure to check out their new location on East Bay Street, downtown Jacksonville. Um, like to remind everybody, our membership program is still going on. You can sign up to be a member of Generation Jaguar for the 2017 season. It's $40. You get a t-shirt, member card, koozie, sticker. You get to drink for free at every Jaguars home game tailgate. You also get to eat for free at every Jaguars home game tailgate. And um, make sure to check out our seating section. We're in section 216. Uh, if you want to get your season tickets there or just sit with us for some single games, make sure to go check that out on our website. If you go to genjag.com slash gameday.html, you'll be able to find out more information about that. And, you know, thanks for listening to us. Uh, we've had a lot of positive support lately. A lot of fun stuff has been happening for the podcast, obviously getting on Best Football Podcasts. Uh, making friends with Mike K is great. We're probably going to do another Jaguars beat writer coming up here soon. Not going to say any names, Hayes Carline. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we've talked to him. We're probably going to get him on the show here for you soon. And hopefully we'll have Hunter and the whole crew next week. But uh, that's going to do it for the show today. Again, thanks for the support. Thanks for everything to our fans. And uh, we'll... We'll leave you here with some more spirit in the sky just because we have got some good vibes going on here in Jacksonville. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Happy Thursday, Duval. This has been a Gen Jacks Media Production.